Chapter 8 of The Goddess of Atvakbar by William Richard Bradshaw. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Nigel Fisher. Extraordinary Loss of Weight. The first thought that occurred to us after the excitement of discovery had somewhat subsided was that the interior of the earth was, in all probability, a habitable planet, possessing as it did a life-giving luminary of its own and our one object was to get into the planet as quickly as possible. A continual breeze from the interior ocean of air passed out of the gulf. Its temperature was much higher than that of the sea on which we sailed, and it was only now that we began to think of laying off our arctic furs. A closer observation of the interior sun revealed the knowledge that it was a very luminous orb, producing a climate similar to that of the tropics, or nearly so. As we entered the interior sphere, the sun rose higher and higher above us, until at last he stood vertically above our heads at a height of about 3,500 miles. We saw at once what novel conditions of life might exist under an earth-surrounded sun, casting everywhere perpendicular shadows and neither rising nor setting, but standing high in heaven, the lord of eternal day. We seemed to sail from the bottom of a huge bowl or spherical gulf surrounded by oceans, continents, islands and seas. A peculiar circumstance, first noticed immediately after arriving at the centre of the gulf, was that each of us possessed a sense of physical buoyancy hitherto unfelt. Flathootly told me he felt like jumping over the mast in his newly found vigour of action, and the sailors began a series of antics quite foreign to their late stolid behaviour. I felt myself possessed of a very elastic step and a similar desire to jump overboard and leap miles out to sea. I felt that I could easily jump a distance of several miles. Professor Starbottle explained this phenomenal activity by stating that on the outer surface of the earth, a man who weighed 150 pounds would weigh practically nothing on the interior surface of an earth shell of any equal thickness throughout. But the fact that we did weigh something, and that the ship and ocean itself remained on the undersurface of the world, proved that the shell of the earth, naturally made thicker at the equator by reason of centrifugal gravity than at the poles, has sufficient equatorial attraction to keep open the polar gulf. Besides, this centrifugal gravity confers a certain degree of weight on all objects in the interior sphere. I'll get a pair of scales, said Flathootly, and see how light I am in weight. Don't mind the scales, said the professor, for the weights themselves have lost weight. Well, I'm 157 pounds to a feather, said Flathootly, and I'll soon see if the weights are right or not. The weights are right enough, said the professor, and yet they are wrong. Ah, and how can a thing be right and wrong at the same time, I'd like to know? Well, throw thy weights anyway, said the Irishman. So saying, Flat Hootley got a little weighing machine on deck, and, standing thereon, a sailor piled on the weights on the opposite side. He shouted out, There, do you see that? I'm 176 pounds, just what I always was. My dear sir, said the professor, you don't seem to understand this matter. The weights have lost weight equally with yourself. Hence they still appear to you as weighing 177 pounds. Excuse me, sir, said Flathootly. If the weights have lost weight, the chap that stole it was cute enough to put it back again before I weighed myself. Don't you see with your two eyes I'm as heavy as I ever was? You will require ocular demonstration that what I say is correct. Here, sir, let me weigh you with this instrument, said the professor. The instrument referred to was a huge spring balance, with which it was proposed to weigh flat hootly. One end of it was fastened to the mast, and to the hook hanging from the other end the master at arms secured himself. The hand on the dial plate moved a certain distance and stopped at seventeen pounds. 
the expression on the Irishman's face was something awful to behold. "'Does this machine tell the truth?' he inquired in a tearful voice. We assured him it was absolutely correct. He only weighed seventeen pounds. "'Oh, holy mother of mercy!' yelled Flat Hootley. "'Consumption has me by the back of the neck. I've lost a hundred and sixty pounds in three days. Oh, sir, for the love of heaven, take me back to my mother. I'm kilt entirely!' It was some time before Flat Hootley could understand that his lightness of weight was due to the lesser-sized world he was continually arriving upon, together with centrifugal gravity, and that we all suffered from his affliction of being each less than half a man, as he termed it. The weighing of the weights wherewith he had weighed himself proved conclusively that the depreciation in gravity applied equally to everything around us. The extreme lightness of our bodies and the fact that our muscles had been used to move about ten times our weight was the cause of our wonderful buoyancy. The sailors began leaping from the ship to a large rock that rose out of the water about half a mile off. Their agility was marvellous, and Flat Hootley covered himself with glory in leaping over the ship hundreds of feet in the air and alighting on the same spot on the deck again. The officers and scientific staff remained on deck, as became their dignity, although tempted to try their agility like the sailors. Flat Hootley surprised us by leaping on a yard arm and exclaiming, "'Gentlemen!' I tell you what it is, I'm no weight at all. How do you make that out? said the professor. Well, I've been thinking, said he, that as you say, we're in the middle of two worlds. Now it stands to sense that one world, I mean up there, the sun is pulling us up, and t'other world is pulling us down, and as both worlds is pulling us equally, why, of course, we don't amount to no weight at all. How could I turn fifteen somersaults at once if I was any weight? That shows you your weighing machine is all wrong again. How can you stand on the deck if you are no weight? inquired the professor. Why am only pressing my feet on the board, said the Irishman. Look here. So saying, he leapt from the yard and revolved in the air at least twenty times before alighting on the deck. Now, said the professor, I'll explain why you only weigh seventeen pounds, as indicated by the spring balance. We have sailed down the gulf five hundred miles, haven't we? Yes, sir. And here we are sailing upside down on the inside roof of the world. Sailing upside down? Indeed, sir. And you can't make me believe that for sure. I'm standing on my feet like yourself, head uppermost. Well, whether you believe it or not, we are sailing upside down, just as ships going to Australia sailed upside down as compared with ships sailing on the North Atlantic. But the point of gravity is this. Here we are surrounded on all sides by the shell of the earth, which attracts equally in all directions. Hence all objects of the interior world have no weight as regards whatever thickness of the earth's shell surrounds them. You see, weight is caused by an object having the world on one side of it. Thus, both the world and the object attract each other according to the density and distance apart. What we call a pound weight is a mass of matter attracted by the earth on its surface with a force equal to the weight of 16 ounces. A pound weight on the surface of the earth weighs 16 ounces, and all the mighty volume of our planet, with all its mountains, continents and seas, weighs only 16 ounces on the surface of a pound weight. The earth may still weigh many millions of tons as regards the sun, but as regards the pound weight, it only weighs 16 ounces. That is an illustration of Flat Hootley's mental calibre, said Captain Wallace. He only believes what his brain can accommodate in the way of knowledge. God bless the captain, said Flat Hootley. I'm sure his brain is as big as mine any day of the week. Now, continues the astronomer, it seems to me that the substances of the earth, rocks, metals and water have, under the influence of centrifugal gravity, massed themselves very thickly at the equator or point of greatest motion and stretched towards the poles in a gradually lessening mass until the polar gulfs are reached. 
Thus the earth's shell resembles a musk melon with the inside cleaned out. It made my mouth water to think about it, said Flatoatly. Now listen, said the astronomer. We are also under the influence of the earth's centrifugal motion, and wherever we are on the interior surface we swing round our centre of latitude in twenty-four hours, and thus men, ship and ocean are held up against the interior of the vault like a boy being able to hold water in a vertical position at the bottom of the pail he swings round him at the end of a cord. Don't you think, Professor, I inquired, we will become heavier as we approach the region of the greatest motion under the equator? I don't think so, he replied, for the ocean around the poles has naturally gravitated to the internal as well as to the external equator to restore the equilibrium of gravity. The reason why a man does not weigh less on the equator than at the poles, although flying around at a rate of several thousand miles an hour, is that the deeper ocean, that is the extra 26 miles that the earth is thicker on the equator, counterbalances by its attraction the loss of weight due to the rapid centrifugal motion, and so preserves in all objects on earth a uniform weight. The whole thing, said Flat Hootley, is as clear as mud. I'm glad to know, sir, I haven't lost me entire constitution at all events, and if only I can carry home what weight I've got lift, I'll make a fortune in a dime museum. End of chapter 8